out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. It is 3-11, March 11th of 2023. We are faithfully airing here from Austin, Texas. Beautiful South Austin, a sunny, almost spring day. Uh, South by Southwest has ambushed the town, and they are everywhere. They meaning all of the people everywhere. All of the interactive and all of the music and all of the film and TV, they're all here. So, <clears throat> which is kind of cool. Uh, that means that there's a lot of distractions going on, which are pleasant, but distractions nonetheless. It has been a super heavy, super productive week for the news cycle pertaining to the content of this program. Um, I wanted to let everybody know that uh, we, d- we did an ex- it extend an invitation per call-in to Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger by proxy uh, because they are on the call-in network. They, they do have call-in shows, and uh, they will occasionally do a call-in so, uh, on the social media app. But I wanted to not delay and let you know uh, that this is going to be a, an, a substantive postmortem versus like a kind of cosmetic disco version where we're going to talk about how Ms. Garcia said there was a threesome and then Schellenberger said, oh, there were many more people, la, 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 because that's already been covered, like ad nauseum. But that's the cosmetic stuff. Um, I think that what we really need to focus on is what Thomas Massey said and what Representative Gates said. Uh, those are the two advocates for for, for fair-minded reforms. Um the gist of the Twitter Files expose this week is that the government is contracting universities and think tanks to censor Americans. They're doing it in a clandestine way. It's illegal. And uh, it should stop. That's it. But there was, there was kind of hemming and hawing and sputtering and pushback and circle chasing because there really wasn't anywhere for them to go. Legally... The government is caught, pants, red-handed, elbows deep in the cookie jar. They're they're guilty. They gotta stop. So I think what comes next is a bill, but also probably the courts should get involved in, in injunctive relief for the American people. So, without further ado, um, we look down here in the room. We've got Johnny and William here with us today. Thank you guys for joining. Um, this is the Twitter files postmortem for the congressional hearing this week. So I, without further ado, I am going to feature some audio of, uh, one of Thomas Massey. He really featured a lot of important, uh, CDC censorship based information, which we've all had complaints about. Everyone's complained about that. Regardless of party, everyone has complained about the CDC censorship. So let me, let me just put this on mute and cue it up and I'll be
I want to talk about the weaponization of the CDC against the American people, and this overlaps with one of the Twitter files, number 13 by my count, actually by Alex Berenson, not one of our two witnesses, but I would like your comment on it. A week before Christmas 2020, the vaccines came out, the FDA curated the Pfizer trial results, and then the CDC curated the FDA's opinion. The CDC said in their MMWR, which is never peer-reviewed, they're very proud that it's not peer-reviewed, they treat it like science is not science, they said that the vaccine was 92% efficacious for people who had already had COVID. The Pfizer trial data said no such thing. In fact, it, there was no support for that claim. So I called up the head of the CDC, recorded the conversation, the head in Washington, D.C. She said she'd get the top scientists on the line. There was a snowstorm that day, so I was impressed. She got this top scientist on the line. They said I was Eagle Eye Massey. They couldn't believe how that statement had made it into their report and that I was absolutely correct. There was no support for it. So uh, I said, how are you going to fix it? You're going to redact it? You're going to change it? What are you going to do? They said, we'll do all of that. I said, great. A month later, it was still on their website. I made some more phone calls. They brought in a, an old hand, an old fixer, Dr. Shushat. These are her notes with uh, of her phone call with me Fixer. about natural immunity in January when I called him out on it again. These are the entirety of her notes that were obtained uh, in my FOIA from somebody, a third party. Uh, I took all of my recordings, released them to Cheryl Atkinson. She, she blew the whistle on this. People, A lot of people have forgotten about it. Uh, here's, here's why... I find it interesting, and I'm going to tie it into the Twitter files. And by the way, I told them I was not anti-vax. I said the problem with your story is there's a misallocation of vaccines, which are not available for all the old people in Kentucky, but you got young people in Kentucky taking them because you're telling them on the website, even if you've had COVID, go get it. So that was my complaint. Um, on May 20 or May 10th, 2021. Todd O'Boyle, this name will come up in a Twitter file later. He is the top lobbyist in Twitter's Washington office who was also his Twitter's point of contact in the White House. He encouraged the CDC to enroll in the uh, partner support program. Oh, okay. The CDC is now a partner with Twitter because they're in the partner support program. They, <laughs> he said, in the future, that's the best way to get a spreadsheet like this reviewed. Now, this is an email from uh, between Todd O'Boyle and, uh, and the folks at CDC. By the way, let me, let me uh, talk to this, too. This is, these are more of my conversations with the CDC, completely redacted the subject thereof. Uh, next, next one, please. I also found, as a result of the FOIA, CDC tracks every tweet that a congressman puts out. Not just Republican, but Democrat. They keep a spreadsheet. They make it every week. Uh, this showed up in the FOIA for me as I'm in their spreadsheet that they track. Why is this interesting? Okay, so they're tracking congressmen's tweets at CDC. They're enrolled in the partner support uh, portal at, uh, at Twitter. And then I found, this is why, um, I found Alex Berenson's report very interesting because uh, what he found out is that Scott Gottlieb worked hard and, and Twitter complied, it looks like, to censor a tweet from a doctor about natural immunity. Guess what? On the same day that that doctor's tweet was censored, so were my tweets on natural immunity. Why is this important? What is what is consequential about the date? This is 
three days after the military vaccine mandate came out and a week before the federal vaccine mandates came out, this truth was toxic to, to a narrative that Pfizer was spreading, that Joe Biden wanted out there so that he could force the vaccine on everybody, whether you had natural immunity or not. Now, I actually, you guys might not agree with me on this. I don't think the press gets special privileges on the First Amendment. I, think, I don't think Congress does. I think every American, by virtue of being an American, has the right to free speech enshrined in the Constitution. So I'm not so much worried that they, they uh, censored a, a congressman, but they disabled all the comments from my constituents. Those are the voices they squelched. And my beef is not with Twitter, but my beef is with the CDC and these federal agencies. And I encourage you all, if you can, to find more about this. And uh, do you have any, either of you have any comments on this topic? Yeah, absolutely. The gentleman's time to expire, but the gentleman may, may the, the Still witness had three seconds. Witnesses may respond. Okay. Just quickly, we found just yesterday a tweet from um, the, the Virality Project at Stanford, which has partnered with a, new, a number of government agencies on Twitter where they talked explicitly about um, censoring stories of true vaccine side effects um, and other true stories that they felt uh, encouraged hesitancy. Now, the... the Censoring true. Yeah, so they used the word true three times uh, in this email. And what's, what's notable about this is that it reflects a fundamental misunderstanding of this whole disinformation complex, anti-disinformation complex. They believe that ordinary people can't handle uh, difficult truths, and so they think that they need minders to separate out things that are controversial or difficult um, for them. And that's again, that's totally contrary to what America is all about. I think. I'll just briefly add, this is very disturbing because what they're doing when they're putting these labels on there is they're actually also dis trying to discredit you. So it's not just uh, it's a form of censorship, but it's also a, a disinformation campaign. And I think what Matt said is really important to understand. I mean, we went from, you go from a, a situation where we were fighting ISIS recruiting, and then it was Russian disinformation. And now they're in a situation where they're wanting to censor true information, accurate facts, because they're worried that people might behave in ways that they don't want them to. That involves mind reading at a level that is grossly inappropriate. I mean, I worry even about making this defense because let's remember, the First Amendment protects our right to be wrong. Mm -hmm. It protects our right to lie. I mean, it's bizarre to me that we would need to make a defense of the First Amendment and remind people that we have a right to be wrong. And being wrong, as Matt was explaining. That, that's that's Michael Schellenberger and, and Taibbi's Amen Corner. Mm-hmm. Is a big part of being a human being and having a democracy. So this is disturbing and chilling, and you're absolutely right to be outraged by it. There needs to be a full truth and reconciliation that I hope everybody would appreciate um, having on this issue, because a lot of bad behavior has come out about what they've done. Thank you. Neil Ben. Good job. Gentlemen, time has expired, but now I recognize Jill. Okay, so that, that was Thomas Massey. Um, just bring the microphone up. So, uh, does anybody have any anything to say towards towards the expose of this particular set of, of information? This was talked about in the press far, far, far less than other things, incidental things that were said during uh, during the 
the progress of the entire hearing. I mean, it was Debbie Wasserman Schultz and how she insulted the journalist and you know, that stuff is not as consequential as, as Thomas Massey calling CDC on the carpet for direct censorship and, you know, you can't handle the truth. William? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for joining. Yeah, sure. I love your rooms. Good, good job here. Well, you know, at the crux of all this, I contend, it comes right down to our federal case laws on free speech. And... Um, I know, and they violate this constantly uh, by covering up the truth. And when we have that's treason, by the way. Let me let me give you, for example, when a, a official of the government does what's being done here um, and colluding with the government. Uh, the, first, the, first of all, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to point to that um, there are citations that Backhoe Bill, also known as William, has put in the chat, and he's citing specific case law against NA, NIAID and Pfizer as a defendant so I just I just wanted to reference that quickly for people who were listening um, that he has sources in the chat right right and if, if, let's I, I was about to type in the case laws so, you know but the, the, then there's dr. David Martin who cites the federal crime statutes so there's crime statutes are in the live chat right now that dr. David Martin cites and um, uh, I was gonna find a link for him too and put it in I was in the process of building up what it's called corroborating evidence explanatory yeah. evidence and and so but if we talk about let's orally i'll cite these things and you know then you'll go on and i'll keep adding you know what i mean um right, right okay so we have the federal case laws um we have um let me think for a second new york times versus sullivan this is about free speech in general where where states cannot uh, limit free speech in any way you know freedom of speech is there in our country it's a it's a cornerstone of the constitution without that we don't have a democracy you know what i mean we yeah, have I to really have believe that and it, it, yeah. it's not something that's like kind of an esoteric belief where I'm, no, no. I'm, I'm in a drum circle trying to prove it to people who who don't think the way i do no this is enshrined in our law and our constitution Mm-hmm. Absolutely, of by and allegedly supposed to be. I shouldn't say allegedly written of by and for the people, not the corporate thieves and criminals. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, it just yeah. says a lot, William, that the people who are trying to tell us what our rights are right. happen to be people who are getting money from the federal mm-hmm. government to do the censorship surveillance. Oh, and they, they're mm-hmm. trying to tell you what your rights are, and they are behaving illegally they the are. whole time. The they whole dip- time. Indubitably, Watson. <laughs> Indubitably. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let, me, let me jump to this. Uh, this I want to keep you on the mic. Uh, yeah. I've got Rep Gates here, which, you know, okay. you may not love him, but you know what? He, he's making a real point here. Uh, Matt Gates calls out misinformation tracker NewsGuard as part of the censorship industrial complex. So from West Palm Beach, Florida, NewsGuard, a journalism and technology tool, AI-based, that purportedly rates the credibility of news and information websites and tracks online information, was called out this week by Representative Matt Gates of Florida, Destin, 
who referred to it as being part of what he called the censorship industrial complex, especially in regard to conservative viewpoints. NewsGuard, founded in 2018 and funded by the U.S. federal government, offers trust ratings for news websites based on nine criteria related to uh, sources, journalistic practices. However, critics of the service have argued that if a site earns negative ratings, NewsGuard will actually work to drive advertising revenue away from disfavored publication and towards one they actively favor. The vast majority of the sites losing advertising revenue as a result of NewsGuard's practices are said to be conservative publications, costing them valuable traffic and taking jobs away from their reporters and staff. Some of the criteria that NewsGuard claims to utilize to judge a site includes their frequency, frequency of inaccurate information, their sourcing and original reporting of information, the balance of news, and the opinion in their journalism, headline accuracy, and several other factors. Quote, NewsGuard rating is a U.S. government-backed entity that literally drives revenues away from media companies to other media companies that are considered more favorable, funded by the government. The Weaponization Subcommittee must investigate NewsGuard, Representative Matt Gates. So I'm going to play a quick, quick and dirty clip here from Matt Gates. At you know, there's going to be some Dan Goldman in there complimenting Shellen Burger's tie, which is again non-substantive, but you know, it's color. Everything they did, all the whole like little puppety dance that they did of little wood cardboard cutouts. You know, I like your tie. You're wrong. So I'm just going to go ahead and play this for you. This is all on public record, but it didn't get as much prime time zzz as, uh, as Representative Garcia and Plaskett being mean, being a mean girl to Taibbi and Schellenberger. So ridiculous. Hang on. Thank you, uh, Ms. Sanchez. Um, Mr. Schellenberger, first, I'd just like to compliment you on your choice of tie today. Um, seems like we, we're, we're on the same page. No, um, we're not. I would also just like to respond to your last uh, point and just remind everyone that, of course, we all believe in the First Amendment, but the First Amendment applies to government prohibition of speech, not to private companies. Um, I want to talk about your Twitter files, number seven, Mr. Schellenberger. Uh, are you aware that Rudy Giuliani was the sole source of the hard drive obtained by the New York Post? That is my understanding. And are you aware that Rudy Giuliani had been openly cavorting with agents of Russian intelligence throughout 2020? That is also my understanding. Now, this was the same Russian agent who had been feeding information to Senators uh, Johnson and Grassley I might add. Um, but also, are you aware that Rudy Giuliani told the New York Times that he did not want anyone to do an analysis of the hard drive until it was published? I was not aware of that exactly, but... But you don't dispute it? I don't dispute it. And you're, are you aware um, that one of the New York Post reporters uh, for the Hunt and Biden story refused to put his byline on the story? Yes. 
And are you aware that Fox News called the story, quote, very sketchy, unquote? I'm aware that somebody at Fox News said that, yes. Correct. Brett Baer at Fox News said yes. Um, and are you aware that the FBI had nothing to do with Twitter's decision to pause the New York Post story? I am not aware of that. Okay, well, let me read you the testimony from Yoel Roth. Uh, at the hearing we had on February 8th. The FBI, quote, the FBI was quite careful and consistent to request review of the accounts, but not to cross the line into advocating for Twitter to take any particular action. And then Jim Baker said, in response to the chairman's question, when he asked, did you talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story? He said, to the best of my recollection, I did not talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story before that day. In other testimony, Yoel Roth said that the information that he received from the FBI had nothing to do with the Hunter Biden story. Now, are you aware that there was an analysis of the hard drive that was done by the Washington Post at a later date? My awareness is that multiple media organizations have done analyses and found the, including CBS, and found that it was indeed, the laptop was authentic and that nothing had been okay. changed on it. So let's just get something clear. The laptop that the FBI had is different than the hard drive that Rudy Giuliani gave to the New York Post. A hard drive, you agree with this, is a copy uh, from a laptop, right? Yes. And you are aware that hard drives can be altered, are you not? Of course. Okay. So are you aware that the Washington Post analysis of the hard drive showed that it had been altered? I have heard that. But I'm also saying CBS verified Politico and other media organizations have verified. I mean, we're not talking about really authentic. we're not talking about authenticity. We're not talking about authenticity. Okay. We're Why talking not? about whether it's been altered. Yeah. Okay. There's no question there's some material on the hard drive that is authentic and accurate. But are you aware that there's some material that is not? My understanding is that there are copies of the hard drive that have been tampered with and that media organizations, including CBS, have verified that that the, the, la the laptop in question was not tampered with. I don't know what the laptop in question, but... Okay. I, I have to jump in here and just say, they are running down the clock on the laptop, hashing out something that has zero, zero, zero to do necessarily with the Twitter files, you know. You know, it, it, the laptop was part of it because the Twitter files suppressed it. But he's he's go he's dancing all the way around it. He's not going anywhere near what Twitter had, what they conveyed, what they suppressed, what Vijaya Gada did, you know, what Yoel Roth did. None of this is in the mouth of your speaking congressman, Mr. Gold, Matt. And he's going all around like we need to validate these hard drives. He's majoring on the minors and running down this congressional clock hoping that he's going to scuttle away validation of the information that was at Twitter. The, the, the information that they had at Twitter. Okay, so that's not... These are apples and oranges, but he is just trying to scare away attention of what was done by government to Twitter. By government to Twitter. Okay, so I'm just gonna, I'm going to let this play out because this was a, this is what it was like when Mr. Goldman is speaking. You're not getting substance. You're getting a careful, 
you know, PR dance to try to make make it look like it isn't what it is. No. The the Biden administration commissioned the censorship of US accounts at Twitter of the Biden laptop. Bar none, this happened trying to get around it by saying sources over here. Sources over here. Okay, I'm going to stop explaining this and just let it roll out because it's insulting to me, but that doesn't matter. This is what actually happened. Let's move on because you said in your Twitter files, am I correct, that every single fact in the New York Post story was accurate? Yes. Okay. Um, do you do you recall that the first paragraph of that Post story said that then Vice President Joe Biden pressured Ukraine to fire its prosecutor general because he was investigating Burisma where Hunter Biden was on the board? Yes. I have here, which I'd like to enter into the record, the Trump Ukraine impeachment inquiry report, 300 pages by the House Intelligence Committee. Did you review this report before you... Straw man! ...said that every fact in this story was accurate? Not objection to the, the material being entered in the record. I, 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 did I read that before I wrote the Twitter files? No. No. Okay. Aware of if you read this, you would have known that every single State Department and Trump administration expert on Ukraine said that Vice President Joe Biden, in, in uh, concert with the European Union and the IMF, was executing official U.S. policy by encouraging Ukraine to fire the prosecutor general because he was not prosecuting corruption and was not prosecuting companies like Burisma. So that story, notwithstanding your allegations, was false. And I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Uh, now recognize the, the chair now recognizes the gentleman from um, uh, Florida, Mr. Gates, for five minutes. Impeachment nostalgia always warms my heart, but we are here focused on a weaponized government, a whole of government approach that has been turned against the American people. And while Rudy Giuliani may have been running around with the laptop in 2020, what is an indisputable fact is that the FBI had the laptop in 2019. And it appears that the last round of questioning misses the boat, that it's true. The information is authentic. The pictures, the videos, the emails, there hasn't been a single allegation that there is a single, do single doctored email. Unlike what we saw before the FISA courts where the FBI itself was doctoring emails to try to smear President Trump. But I, I have to get to a, a question I'm amazed hasn't been asked of the two of you. This FTC consent decree, where it is government action subject to rigorous scrutiny under First Amendment standards, government action demanding that your names be listed. How did it feel when you found out that you were being expressly targeted by a government document based on your reporting. It was chilling. I mean, it's disturbing. I, I never thought that would happen in the United States of America, to be perfectly honest. I've been in a bunch, I've lived in a bunch of authoritarian countries, I've visited a lot of authoritarian countries, never thought this kind of thing would be going on here. And the nexus to authoritarianism is the desire to control the nature of truth itself. Our understandings change about things. We learn new things. We challenge prior assumptions. But if a bunch of people in Washington, D.C. get to decide what the truth is and then enforce it on the country and then punish and target 
those who report on their conduct, we are drifting more toward that. How did you feel, Mr. Tybee, when you saw your name? I was uh, upset, obviously. Um, I I lived in uh, Russia during the 90s and early 2000s. I was there when Putin took power. I was friends with a group of uh, very brave, uh, muckraking reporters in, in Russia, many of whom didn't make it. A few of them um, were murdered after Putin came to power. So I've always been conscious of how the risks that other reporters take in other countries are incredibly severe, and that's one of the reasons why I'm motivated to protect the First Amendment, because our, our country has the best protections for reporters in the world. Um, but this kind of thing, where the government is looking for information about reporters, it's usually a canary in the coal mine that something worse is coming in terms of uh, an effort to exercise control over the press. And so on that level, it's, it's absolutely disturbing. Also, the Aspen Institute report that we, we uh, published today, uh, talked about today in the Twitter files thread, um, one of their recommendations was that the FTC be empowered uh, to get uh, to have unlimited power to search uh, all data of uh, private companies so that they could more freely and more accurately search uh, the speech of ordinary citizens. So, so as we're trying to put downward pressure on the government's expanding authority to be able to engage in what we see mostly from dictatorships, okay. what you're reporting and what you're observing. Okay, okay. I'm going to jump in here and just let you know something. The role of the FTC is to monitor uh, antitrust, unfair practice, and corporate practices that malign the American consumer. That is the role of the Federal Trade Commission. They have also adopted a regulatory approach towards privacy. Now. They are not a mass surveillance agency. This is out of their mission. Every agency in the federal government cannot become a proxy surveillance agency. The FTC does not have a surveillance mission and just because they have been monitoring regulatory approaches and law on the efficacy of privacy does not give them the right to control consumer information how it is you know jettisoned out there but there are some very creative people who have gotten really really used to monetizing information as a source and they have deeply psychotic and people embedded in the advertising industry with absolutely sociopathic seared consciences. I mean, I'm judging these people real hard, but it's only because I know they are the ones who are licensing the, the information that is coming from a six-year-old surfing YouTube for the ad bait. These are not good people, okay? But they play both sides. The government gives them a contract to conduct ad 
ad-based surveillance information, and it's all ad-based surveillance to them. doesn't matter which or where the money comes from. They don't care. So when they do it to monitor a six-year-old to, to sell their parents' diapers or toys or McDonald's, you know, it's not different from when the FBI goes to, and the FBI was busted this week. They just confessed, palms up, yeah, yeah, we bought it. We bought the information. They told that to Jim Jordan as well. Johnny wants to speak. Go ahead, Johnny. Haven't heard from you. Hey, hi, hi, Sheila. You know, the way I look at this is uh, those in power, those who control the media and have the uh, power to censor, view society in three different ways. You have the person that doesn't like soap operas. You have people who are lawyers. And you have philosophers. Now, these people target those three audiences in a very effective way. If you give them the soap opera, it says, well, you know, now this is going on with the government, in quotation marks. And look at, here's the latest. And let's get to the bottom of it. And then you have the people that uh, are... are, are or that are, you know, have a bit of an education and can go through and follow the arguments and make an argument and, you know, a reasonable argument and understand and recognize straw men and ad hominem and so on and so forth. And then you have the philosophers. The philosophers sit back and say, yeah, you know, you have an ideological argument here, neoliberalism versus collectivism. I think that these people actually have got this down that as long as they are playing those three categories of individuals, they continue having power. And one last thing I'd like to say about government. We always, again, whether I'm the guy that hates soap operas, whether I'm the lawyer, or whether I'm the philosopher, in each one of those categories, we will all, all as lay people, as regular, everyday, hardworking Americans that can't sit down and read uh, our Aristotle, or can't sit down and look at the first pages of of uh, 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 you know the law you know the the bar you know but hey soap operas one thing I would say and that is that when people say that the government is doing this and the government is doing that they also have to recognize that we as the gentleman earlier said are no longer and have not been a government of by and for the people. So I think that we have to be a little bit more careful when we say the government. I would rather say instead of the government is doing this, the government is doing that, I'd rather say the oligarchs or those who have the power over censorship, over big pharma, over... Well, that, you know, I, I, I get the gist of where yeah. you're going, Johnny, yeah. but the point of the Twitter files is that there were grants that were doled out to universities and think tanks using taxpayers' money from these agencies from DHS from the FBI this is very specific and that is government that is definitely your government so so Sheila when when you talk the think tank and uh, I always tell people in in these discussions you know you should read or watch a five part series on YouTube called this is neoliberalism and in I think it was part four and part maybe part two of this five-part series it talks about the think tank and how neoliberals and the Montpelier and society 
back in the 1920s had funded, just like you said, think tanks and organizations to, to, to put out a particular ideology. And that ideology would have power over society. And right now, you know, so, so I'm in complete agreement with you, you know, but that government that you're talking about or that ideology called neoliberalism actually does that, says, government, you're in my way. I will control uh, uh, law. I will control philosophy. I can control the, all this in a free market society. So I, 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 you're not wrong. You know, you're not. You're not wrong to say these yeah. things at all. Yeah, um, what I'm going right. to add to your discussion, you know, with, with, mm-hmm. this is not to invalidate anything you have said. Right. Um, right. What I'm trying to tell you is that one one hand feeds the other. The, the government, the hard government, the ones that go in and and have a profile. And, and collect a check that's cut by the Office of Management and Budget, those people, they know that the construct is to to reach out to think tanks, okay? And that is a policy decision that is set by people in the executive branch, okay? I just want you to know where it comes from because it wasn't always like this, okay? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like this, but during the Biden administration, if you read the fine print on the CISA website, which was deleted, by the way, and that came out during this hearing, is that the CISA website has been absolutely cleansed of things that we covered on this show six weeks ago. They purged the CISA website, which had everything out in the open, totally transparent about the practices that they were doing the grant practices at all because it finally got daylight. It finally got enough daylight because of the Twitter files. They tried suppressing Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. It was necessarily impossible after a point. Okay? And, uh, you know, I do trust and thank the, the, you know, polemic administrators over at Fox and the Tucker Carlson show for, for schlepping this with us. But it, because otherwise it would not have been possible, honestly, right. along yeah. with, with Glenn Greenwald and, and everyone yeah. in that news, news tree who has managed to survive the cancel scorched earth campaign that has gone out against actual legitimate journalism. So go yeah. ahead. No, no, uh, you're right. You're right. You're, you're the lawyer. <laughs> and lawyer slash philosopher and i know you don't get into soap operas but uh i'll leave it to somebody else it'll it'll happen (laughs) yeah it's a sad state of affairs you know and i it really is and it's just going to get worse and you know something's going to give so thanks for your time appreciate it oh johnny thanks for thanks for popping in i I want to take lisa now hi lisa you there Thanks for joining. I, we haven't we haven't met you. Oh, you have. Oh my God! It's Brady. It is. <laughs> uh, how you doing? Are you gender switching? <laughs> oh yes, I'm a trans man now. I, I identify as uh, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Buttigieg. What, what was the name that said? Let the Buttigieg. Sorry. What was her name? Uh, Lisa Antoinette or Marie Antoinette? Marie yeah, Antoinette. I'm uh, Marie Budigig is my name. Marie Budigig is my trans name now. So nice to meet you. Um, 
Yeah. Enchanted. So, Enchanted. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was just looking for this article online about how, I don't know if it was the FBI or the CIA that hired just like a, like 60,000 agents for like social media campaigns, essentially to go oh, on yeah. social media. And, and All the minders. Up. Yes. Yeah, to break up any kind of organization efforts and stuff like that, right? That's not the role of government. And you know what? All of this is illegal. That's not legal. Well, did I mean, the, the FBI has done su such things in the past, but they are always caught. And uh -huh. then as soon as they are, they are told to, to just stop. The courts stop them. Okay. So if we can prove that these people are working with agencies then that is enough to stop them, is what you're saying. Um, there is there is a little bit of a process in the background, meaning what Congress does to, to hold uh, executive agencies like law enforcement agencies and, and say this, this uh, DNI tree, DHS, and CISA, is they will file a criminal complaint to the Supreme Court as a third branch of government here in the United States and then they place an injunction on the agency to stop processes that are that they deem and have found to be illegal so the Congress issues a criminal complaint the courts you know evaluate that complaint against the government acts and then they issue an injunction or a cease and desist against the, the, the for in favor of the interests of the people. So that that's so how that works. Just... Hmm. So who would I have to notify? It's just like a part of Congress. I would have to well, notify. Yeah, you'd have to make make a complaint to your congressional representative mm -hmm. or, or the representatives associated with this committee. Which would be Matt Gates and uh, Thomas Massey, Dan Goldman, um, I think Siskin, I think from New York. You know, there's, there's just a, and they're available uh, at the at the government website, which is the Weaponization of Government Committee. And you would go to that that website and look up the committee members, and then you would you would say, you know, you would write them or contact them and, and request, you know, like. Have you? Will you please uh, file a criminal complaint on behalf of our interests because this is clearly illegal? You know, because what I've seen happen in the past, this has absolutely happened. Um, they have had a committee, had a hearing, aired things that were clearly illegal and out of order, and never filed the complaints, never submitted them to the DOJ. And then they fall into the ground and nothing nothing is changed. So the difference between something being transformed and, and the bettering well, it's of your, certainly of your enough situation. To at least mm -hmm. at the very least it's it's it would be something enough to stop that particular operation or at least totally spoil that one operation. And really reveal what they're doing, at least to be a little bit like a WikiLeaks moment, you know. Um, I think some of these agents are fucking sloppy, dude. <laughs> like they're way too fucking comfortable. You know, they they may not easy. actually be happy. This could be coming from their uppers, and so they're just kind of, uh, you know, they're just kind of 
it's not really what they believe. They may they may just be slopping around the edges so that that someone will oh I'll just get caught you know because I hate doing this. This is I obviously against I you know there's some ideological purists in, inside you know the people who work for the government. You know I wouldn't say that they are a consensus of of all things, but there are definitely there there's definitely pockets, especially the law enforcement. Law enforcement is is generally you know mostly Republican centrist. And, you know, they want to be able to enforce the law, you know, as a general, like, say, a, a personality, if the, if the agency had a personality. And they talked about that um, in, in the news I support this week, um, which, you know, I tend to agree with people. I, wouldn't, I would say that there may be conservatarian, you know, in, in law enforcement, but you've got some liberals and you've got some, you know, some dots of, of different, you know, ideologies. You can't speak as a whole for, for any one group. Uh, of Americans because there's going to be uh, political diversity in there or there and there should be um, you know to, to be tolerated but in to avoid the politicization of the agency you know there, there are people in the agency who are shouting orders from the top down um, and people who are playing politics saying like oh we'll say anything you want you want DEI you want you want this you want that you want us to say she her she her she her you know, and you know they will, you know they'll do all that just so they can they can escalate their political career and their agency career, and you know it doesn't exactly. matter. You know all these little hokey little political dances. It doesn't doesn't amount to anything to them. They don't believe it. <laughs> but the people who have to suffer underneath it, you know, if they say to them one day, okay, stand on one foot and believe everything the CDC tells you. Okay, boss. You know they just obey, obey, obey because that's how they get up the ladder. They get they get to stay, you know, chinking up the greasy pole by just being an obedient person, mm-hmm. unthinking, uncaring, useful idiot. apathetic, useful idiot. Useful okay. idiot. You nailed it. Okay, I'm gonna take Peter. I'll pass the mic to Peter. It's good talking. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good to see you. Hey Peter, how you doing? Hello, hello, Sheila. How are you? That's good. You know, it's been kind of a rough week for China relations. <laughs> what, what 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 happened to to China? I did not even know. Well, I mean, it happened to China. I mean, there's just been a lot of shitty tough talk, you know. But but I would say they they oh, reelected oh, you, they reelected Xi, you know, again unanimously. What a surprise. Oh, I think you mean that in Congress, there's a lot of shitty talk about China. Is that right? Well, uh, I would say that there is some, for sure. There's a lot of war babble. Blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of war babble, presumptive war. Nobody said go to war. Nobody said that. You know, not not the people, but it's a bunch of these talking heads who who showed up and said, oh, well, you know, we are in war with China. Like, wait, wait a minute. You know, nobody nobody had the debate about that. Nobody had a debate. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of aggression. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot yeah, that, of Taiwan, ta- Taiwanese, you know, you know, cockfighting. But you know that there's no war, not yet. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I hear you. I, hear you. I mean, I did not uh, tune in on, in those uh, uh, China talks, but I'm pretty sure there's plenty. And uh, in fact, that uh, 
back in the 90s, during the Newt Gingrich time, the the China threat is uh, uh, is uh, is that uh, the Chinese military is putting missiles, nuclear tipped missiles, in the container ship, and is going through the Panama Canal. <laughs> I remember that back then. That's the specific allegation. Oh, that's super safe. Yeah, Very responsible. I, Very responsible. Yeah, I, I I was laughing at that time because yes. soon oh enough, my God. I heard this is what I heard. This is what I heard. Okay, I was like, why the American media wants to tell its enemy how to attack the United States? Because later on, I learned the Bin Laden organized this nine eleven attack based on Tom Clancy's novel. Now I have not read any of his novels, but I heard that his his uh, his strategy to get a, on a commercial airliner to hit the landmarks is from Tom Clancy's idea. I was for goodness sake, just don't say this kind of shit. But because now they're saying these are huge cranes built by the Chinese company in American ports are s- spy <laughs> tools. In addition to well, I mean, I would love to see the research on that, but I've seen such similar shit in 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 Western Washington. If I hadn't seen half the shit I saw in in Western Washington happen on a daily basis, you know, just dead numb, they like, oh, this is the way things happen here, you know. If I yeah. hadn't seen it uh, every day, then I would be like, no, you know. But I, I still want to see the proof. I mean, if there's stingrays or technologies or you know, if they've got like wiring or or special transducers or transponders you know that are in in the wiring or something you know i i mean i i have yet to see those things i mean they're not going to call me first and say here would you please audit this you know no they're not but all the same i'm a monitor for for you know for surveillance of all kinds and that's how i started to become very keen to picking up the things that were happening from enemy surveillance one of the reasons why I got very uh, sensitive to to Chinese interference in anything that we're doing is because of the OPM hack. This is the Office of Personnel and Management. Oh, I said OMB. So the, the, it's really the OPM. The OPM hack was a, a Chinese-led attack on the Office of Personnel and Management. Okay, it already yes. happened. It, it yes, happened we- several years ago. And um, like 2014, 2015, it's it's hazy now, but that's when it happened. And um, you know, over a million government employees, direct federal employees, were hacked, and their information was uh, weaponized or you know commandeered by China. And this included biometric information, biometric credentialing information. Yeah, I I love those uh, deep state uh, uh, propaganda material uh, for the reasons that. I believe Hillary Clinton always insists that DNC was hacked by the Russia, by the Russians. Uh, they refuse to believe it's one of the staff, disgruntled the DNC staff, may have downloaded a lot of DNC stuff and give it to someone. The, uh, uh, Here, what here's what I'm going to say before you go anywhere else. I just need to preface by saying this in a disclaim, disclaim way, the way of the disclaimer that just because a person says it does not make me personally responsible for what is said. 
There's a lot of uh, triangulation and entanglement and ensnarement that goes on in public communications now where someone will blame me for something that you said because you said it in a public way, say like on my program. And that is not a point of blame. That's not a point of crime. I just wanted to make make sure that everyone here understands that I am not responsible for Peter's speech. If Peter yes. says that Peter is responsible for his own speech, well, I am absolutely. also similarly responsible. All who come here are responsible for their own speech. I'm not responsible for anybody else's speech. Go ahead. Uh, I agree. I thought it's in chat room someone is blaming you. But what I'm uh, because of what <laughs> it you happens every about, show. Happens every show. What you have uh, discussed earlier is that basically you find out that these are uh, clandestine. Academic contractors, they they are they are getting government money, right? Yeah. To put out shit. These are all part of the uh, government control of of the people. We the people, right? So yeah, but we part- didn't know about it. That's the problem. Like it was clandestine. Yeah. We didn't approve mm-hmm. it. It's illegal. Every bit of it. Every bit yeah. of it. Yeah, because uh, now this particular, I don't want to talk about CDC and COVID shit because these are not national security stuff, not deep state stuff per se. Oh, but they use the deep state weaponry. They use the GDC. Yeah, that's why it becomes that. Absolutely. So this is why I have said uh, in one of my uh, episodes, it is actually, in my opinion, I I could be wrong, is that uh, after the uh, FDR uh, send the uh, these many uh, thousands of uh, Japanese to internment camps in the under the excuse of national security then the deep state really opta- and the courts is okay with it uh, then the, that really they have uh, since apologized but you know apology isn't really enough exactly basically the, uh, the, the, the government the deep state you know has been able to use uh, all kinds of uh, shitty tactics to do whatever they want, right? So, you know, I have said uh, in the regular law enforcement, uh, you know, you will need a witness to testify what happened. But in the deep state operation, you need informants. These are assets like a Christopher Steele, uh, like uh, like these uh, academic uh, contractors. They can just put out some serious shit. You uh, really that, have have a talent here, sir. I'm gonna. That brings me to circle back to NewsGuard and Mike Benz's reporting. Uh, I'm just gonna break in here and and talk a little bit about that. Mike Benz is is the um, uh, Foundation for Freedom Online, and he was key. In fact, he's in the picture on this episode. If you go to the picture, there's Matt Taibbi raising his hand, uh, taking the oath, Schellenberger, and then there's a guy sitting directly catty corner to his his right left and that is Mike Benz foundationforfreedomonline.com so this guy has been working on this news for years and it is like his whole thing it's his whole thing okay so I'm going to read you stuff from the NewsGuard site there are pictures of Alex Jones and China and the, the, the COVID virus Switching around on the front page of the NewsGuardTech.com site, and, and they they show you all the different partners that they have: OpenX, Pubmatic, GumGum, Magnite, TripleLift. Okay, all these people are are news and advertising uh, s- sanctions partners. These these are 
ad sanctioning people. It's the same people who are strategizing, weaponizing the FTC for surveillance. Ah! Okay. So, um, the Internet Trust Tool. And, you know, if trust is couched as trust and safety, yeah, okay. So, Mike Benz. Now, I need full disclosure. This is from Breitbart. Okay, and I know I know the people here don't trust Breitbart, but it is still a story. Mike Benz, Bill Gates, this is what he said. Bill Gates opened a Pandora's box of censorship and proxy war against Elon Musk. So it is a corporate man-on-man battle to get the government's money to censor you. And this is how we know, because Bill Gates is fighting for that money. Mike Benz, a former diplomat in Donald Trump's State Department and the founder of the new anti-censorship organization, the Foundation for Freedom Online, appeared on SiriusXM's Breitbart News Daily with Alex Marlowe this morning to discuss Breitbart's report on Bill Gates' network of NGOs and their war against Elon Musk. That's going to be interesting. I'm going to include that. Links posted post-show. So the Foundation for Freedom Online provided the research behind Breitbart, Breitbart's news report, which traced the funding behind the 26 left-wing NGOs that signed a letter of intimidation to Twitter's advertisers, urging them to boycott the platform if free speech is restored under Musk. The FFO's research found that 11 of these 26 NGOs were backed by money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or its supported entities. Since the terms of engagement and the terms of online freedom changed after 2016, new predicates have constantly been created for censorship, said Benz. Because no one wants to come out and say they're for censorship, they disguise their preferences for rigging the information ecosystem through redefining concepts like democracy, through redefining concepts like free speech, and often through channeling their efforts through proxy groups such as NGOs and such as activist groups such as national security affiliated think tanks and now there is a really veritable pandora's box of proxies for pushing that issue of censorship and this piece on bill gates and elon musk is a really great example of that so um i'm gonna go to mike ben's twitter page really quick okay so here here's some of the the people here's some of the staffing so this is how he unpacked this great round of roundup thread on Stang, stangle uh there are a few additions that uh, that'll make head spin on top of it all, Richard Stengel is also on the permanent board of advisors of NewsGuard. Okay? He's the founder of the State Department's Global Engagement Center. Richard Stengel is a founder of the State Department's Global Engagement Center. He is the founder of GEC. And he is on the permanent board of advisors for NewsGuard. Next week, Richard Stengel is joined on NewsGuard's Board of Advisors by former NATO Chief Anders Fogh Rasmussen, whose FFO has covered extensively for his role in the transatlantic flank attack on Internet censorship on the side of Europe at NATO. Okay. You can't get any more blunt than Richard Stengel's call to end the First Amendment. He literally said social media exposed a design flaw in the First Amendment. He knows that's a bit of a heretical thing to say, you know, overturning the bedrock of the United States Constitution. So uh, let's let's just get the audio on that. 
I just, I just need to he- just understand that these are the administrators from within the government that want to dictate to you what free speech is from their point of view. And they're making money from your taxes to do this to you. Part because there's a kind of a design flaw in the First Amendment in this age of social media. And I know that's a bit of a heretical thing to say, but I think we need to start thinking about hate speech laws. Rick Singer. Thanks. Thank you. It was good to see you. Great to see you. Um, Okay. So that's Richard Stengel, and he authored a book called Information Wars, which is psychological operations. That's a hard psychological operations definition. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, I, I did it. I got through all of the NewsGuard piece. So so go ahead, Peter. Yeah, so I'll just share with you. I think these news may, may, may make you upset also. So don't be too oh, upset. I mean, it, I'm, I'm already it. upset. So can't, can't. <laughs> the glass is already broken. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny, uh, she relayed some message uh, uh, voiced by uh, Steve uh, Bannon. Because uh, due to this uh, uh, bank being seized, uh, I think it's called the Silicon Valley Bank. Oh, Silicon Valley Bank, yeah. Right. So, so ben, Steve Bannon, I, I, uh, I respect him as a, a great strategist. Uh, and uh, without, a said, uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. But let, let me finish. So basically, he said now there will be uh, Rokana and all those uh, Silicon Valley uh, Democrats, <laughs> neocon. They are going to fl- fly people to lobbyists to Washington saying this bank needs to be bailed out because uh, all their investment in the high-tech uh, companies will be shipped to China. <laughs> so every time you tie your narratives with the national security in China mm-hmm. in particular, you're going to get the bailed out. Bailed out. <laughs> that's what they want. So that's one piece of the news that I find out, I think. Okay. Okay. So well, that's, that's a, I just want to break in really quick to respond to that. Go you know, as a, as a contrapositive, to that line of thinking, that neoliberal, neocon, you know, block of let's take your money for national security again, um, there is Elon Musk talking to uh, other vendors and other small crypto people who are trying to talk about buying Silicon Valley Bank and making it also a crypto bank to keep it decentralized and keep the government out of the process. And he's he's open to hearing the ideas, which would be really great because if that happened, if if he bought that bank and then made it a crypto bank with diversified currencies including cash and all forms of of uh, you know, cashier trade those sorts of things. If, if he held the integrity of this bank and kept the government out of it as a rescue plan, then it would create a model for decentralized banking nationally and even internationally as a way to solve this problem. Because when the government is the cause of the crippling or kneecapping or hobbling, whatever you want to call it, through inflation and, and bad... Uh, bad economic practice through through too much use of the fed to to do everything you know put some fed yep. on it yelling mm-hmm. for more money so yep. uh if they if they do this then that would decentralize the powers 
of, of banks that are in trouble and and rebalance the, the the economic need for a free market in the economy, which would be helpful. Yeah, so, so yeah, so I, I I look forward to see that. I mean, there's all you know these are corporate socialism, right? They will be all flying to Washington D.C. asking for a bailout. Mm-hmm. They'll say, if we don't do this, our clients are high tech companies, and now they lost so much millions and millions of dollars. They have to move their business to China. That will be a threat to the United States national security. So please give us a bailout. They all have some kind of a narrative, and they will hire <laughs> academics, economists. Klein Dynstein, what is it called? Klein, Klein Dynstein, <laughs> academic. Klein Dynstein, yeah, you got it, you got it. Yeah. Okay, so the second piece is more uh, scary. Secret Service of the United States, the agency re- uh, responsible to protect the president of the United States, they published a study, a report on mass shooting in the USA between 2016 to 2020. What I find out astonishing is this. They have said this. Majority of these shootings are due to hate ideology, including these shooters, they hate the government. I was like, since when? That's not That's not a surprise. I mean, we had, they were talking about all these terrorist designations this week. And they just conveniently forgot about the Oklahoma City bombing. So occasionally we have terrorist activity in the country. It, it happens in every nation. There are people who get angry at uppity and they think violence is going to solve their problems. Okay? Yeah. We're not totally immune to it. It'll happen from time to time. But my concern is this. I thought it's our inherent rights to hate the government. It's well, not we ideology. have, we have a right to air our grievances through the First Amendment. Exactly. So how can you see disliking the government become an ideology? I thought this is part of the deal. And uh, and, uh, and unless someone is uh, taking exact, uh, specific conspiratory act to violently attack the government, then that becomes a crime. But yeah, if you attack the government and you don't use process like to have a grievance and to air it, is a right. Yeah. So to that's attack the government guy, because government is 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 a crime. That's why that guy is proposing a hate speech law, and I'll be that would be interesting. Hating government become a crime. <laughs> that's a thought crime law, <laughs> which I found out this just shows that we are really going down the drain as as the United States of America because uh, our government's completely taking over. We well, I mean, they, they, I think they think they know best, and they're wrong. They they think that they're not governing other adults, and they're wrong. Yeah. I mean, so, maybe maybe Americans, you know, are that stupid. I don't know. We some of a, them you know, are that stupid, and then there's a there's a clique of people who who sit around and inhale their own hubris to get high. Okay, and those people uh, get a lot of money. And then they start thinking the same way. I wish somebody would just enter the scene and change change the alchemy because after inhaling so much hubris-based, low self-esteem bullshit, uh, they have really turned on themselves. Because if you don't think that the loss of free speech is going to suddenly, at some point, impact that, that precious insulated 1%, they are wrong, okay? Because they will eat their own. That's what always happens amongst the left. You know, there's too much 
too much uh, jockeying for power over the concentration of power, and then, you know, we only need one wizard, you know, and so everybody's trying to knock out that last wizard so that they can have it. Ah! So it's never, it's never going to end it with centralization and totalitarian thinking. Okay? Yes. God bless America. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Peter. I'm going to take Lance. Okay. Hey, Lance. How's it going? Long time no speak. Oh, hey. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know the topic, so I don't really. Okay. <laughs> thanks for joining. William, thanks for coming back. Hey, sister. Well, um, did you want to get back to the case laws and the statutes, the crime statutes, or did you want to move on? They're in the well, I, I, I wanted to say that if you have if you have a, a wrapping remark, I think we've been on here a while. How long okay. have we been on? We were running into the – oh, yeah, one hour, eight minutes. That's about our regular. So so um, I just want to thank everybody who has joined us. Um, did you have any any closing remarks – about Matt Gates' contribution to the thing. Well, obviously, uh, the big picture is is clearly about uh, the interference of, of people in the government, uh, it, and I think that's obvious. And it does it is violate a lot of uh, federal crime statutes and case laws. That's where I, you know, that's where I look at things. Through that, for the most part, there's also some. A lot of evidence in ivermectin. I put it up a zero hedge article on it being safe and effective in various forms. There's, you know, there's medical science on both sides of every issue, but people have to do their own research, talk to whoever they feel they need to. But it's and, and always different. go to your doctor to see what's going to work out best for you. I mean, you, you're certainly not going to confide in us about your medical treatment. You know, I'm not a doctor. Um, but, you know, ivermectin wasn't bad medicine before the pandemic at all. It's just right. been mis misrepresented because it was a competitor for Pfizer. Sure. That's my personal belief. Um, I will own that belief. But that's what I think is that ivermectin as an antiviral treatment for flu and other other flu-based problems uh, was Push to the margin because they really wanted uh, a total uh, capital uh, corner for Pfizer, Moderna, and and the vaccine makers, and they they really wanted to elbow down on the American people. Take this medicine, take this medicine, and then died suddenly. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. And there's um, lots of meta analysis. American Journal of Therapeutics. There's uh, the state in, in uh, India of Uttar Pradesh that said they, they were COVID-free. They handed out free ivermectin to their citizens. So there's a lot of medicine on all sides. Also, there is an NIH PubMed Open Access Medical Journal article on elderberry being effective versus respiratory illnesses. There's, I refer people to the references all the way back to 2001. And then as far as what forms... Um, I say, look, I don't know. Contact. Oh, oh one more thing before, before before we go, William. Did you have any commentary on Fauci's remarks? Did you catch the Cavuto interview where he responded 
to to the allegations that he he fed his friends uh, after they all co-agreed to to silence the lab leak theory and marginalize Robert Redfield at the CDC. I'm glad you mentioned that because I did put an article uh, post on Robert Redfield's recent testimony on uh, on that, and uh, that Robert Redfield was pushed out to the margins on that because he had the counter. A narrative and the belief that it came from a lab based on the fair and cleavage sites and well, I mean Fauci said that he was not marginalized that other people had these beliefs in in the uh, the call what wasn't covered was okay Fauci so why what why did you marginalize or exclude the CDC director from the conference call about the lab leak why did you do that and we never got the answer we got a lot of, oh, that's extraordinary. I, I can't believe he said that. You know, that's what we got. But he never he never refuted or answered any of it. Right, I agree. And I think it's interesting to, to the article I put in, the link, quotes in detail and has embedded videos on what Robert Redfield actually said in the Senate, I'm sorry, the House Oversight Committee hearing. So if you want to know exactly it's from him uh so i i i obviously you know i see it um you and i have talked a lot about this before and um how i believe fauci should be prosecuted under uh crime statutes um of treason misprison of treason uh sedition there's all kinds of things dr david martin uh, there's a link with an adobe acrobat uh link I put in on, on those statutes and I, it would take time to go over every one so I'll just button it with that because I know you want to end the show. If So the NIH article uh, you, people can review and then again, I'm, I'm not a doctor but I'm just giving people information and then they obviously could talk to whoever they need to about and it. And they can make up their own mind. Everybody but, here is, is essentially an adult. I, I don't know anybody here that, that is a, a minor child if so, I'm sorry for the foul language, and we should be better adults. But um, <clears throat> all the same, you know, these, these are these are strong adult topics, and and I just wanted to indicate uh, before we get out of here that as a result of the January 6th tape being released on the Tucker Carlson show, um, there has been good movement to get the rest of it released to the majority of press by McCarthy, which is fantastic. That's a, that's, a, that's a success. That is an absolute success for press freedom and for uh, co-evaluation of, of the tapes. There are many things that people want to see that they feel that they were not able to see because the government, again, controlled the entire narrative and then had their stupid show trial um, and only showed one particular thing that was going on. It did terrify the hell out of a lot of people to see the government um, government at that time attacked. They, they, they saw an attack. They saw an insurrection because that's what they were shown. And, you know, I internally, because I grew up with people a lot like Jacob Chansley, never really believed that they, they did that. You know, I never believed. There was, I saw the people who were doing it, obviously. You know, that happened. I don't deny that. But I don't believe that that's the whole of the character that they maligned of the whole. I do not believe that the government has grounds to, to eliminate pretrial due process. I believe that there is current 
political imprisonment of those people because the government is at fault at some point or at some place. They think that they're making an example out of them. What they're doing is they're self-incriminating and they're, they're manufacturing a shitty human rights record for the United States of America against its own people. So the people who are, are you know, too down on their water to run this country properly under, under the Constitution, under the graces of our liberties, uh, should go away. They should retire. They should go find something else to do. If they want to go be autocratic and, and you know, boss around their personal assistance, you know, from, from their, you know, high horse in their mansions, they can go do that. They can be bossy old men and women. Nobody's going to stop them, but they shouldn't be running the government. Can I add one more thing to that real quick? If yeah, absolutely. That's, pardon me, there's a federal evidence rule, 106. It's the doctrine of completeness. What, that even allows hearsay if it's explanatory in, in court. So usually hearsay is not allowed, but if, to put things into context, even hearsay is allowed. That's how broad the federal evidence rule is. If you're eliminating video footage, right, that's called that's eliminating. Obstruction. That's obstruction. Yes, it's obstruction, and that's illegal. And so that's, that's, in fact, there are crime statutes about obstruction in every state and on a federal level. So you know, there's, a, there's a lot of illegal activity going on here, and um, I, I commend what they're doing. And, uh, you know, we're all learning together uh, and uh, contributing to trying to educate one another because the people in charge certainly uh, don't seem to ha have a, an idea what even the case laws, federal crime statutes are and the yeah. evidence rules. And, and I'll tell you this, is that when there is good investigative reporting and good journalism happening, it, it manufactures a relief for the people who've been... Um, been in a mistaken posture. They, they, they've been lied to. And I don't know how you feel when you have been deceived, but I feel awful. I feel really betrayed when someone lies to me. And when my government lies to me because they're liars, and then they lie to me about something like this, it just shows me that I need to, to be more active and to take more responsibility uh, because if I let a liar lead my train, I am at fault. So for everyone who has a conscience, who listens to this show, I really appreciate you. Add your meditations uh, that, that, you know, this is, this is all a part of your justice diet. So, so I really appreciate everybody, everybody who's come to speak and contribute to the show. You especially, William, because you're always so full of good information. Um, you're invited back every single time. Thank you for joining us here at the Unsanctioned Citizen. We got our audio back, by the way, so I'm going to yeah. be able to show the outro. God bless. God bless. Have a good weekend, guys. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you visit SheilaMDean.com.